And welcome to episode 12 of the Get More Sports Podcast. My name is Doug McCain. Thanks for rocking with us once again. On today's episode, we're going to give you 10 takeaways from the NBA Finals, where last night, the Toronto Raptors, they got it done. They win the first Larry O'Brien, their first championship in the Raptors' 24-year franchise history. Now the Warriors just inbound, and that's it. There's a new NBA champion, and it's a team from Toronto, Canada. We, the North, are now we, the champions. The Raptors, the 2019 NBA champs. And they did it on the road in Oakland. Final game ever at Oracle Arena. And the Toronto Raptors get it done. Congratulations to the 2019 NBA champions. You did it. Canada props. But I just like to say, Canada, you got to love it. Canadians, they've gone crazy. The, The whole country has just gone basketball crazy. And let's not forget that basketball is rooted in Canada. Basketball traces all the way back to Canada because Dr. James Naismith, don't forget, he was born back in 1861 in Almonte, Mississippi Mills, Canada, and he's the inventor of basketball. He invented it in 1891 in Springfield, Massachusetts. And I just want to point out that Dr. James Naismith, he had instructed the janitor at the school to get him a box. He wanted the ball to go through a box, but he couldn't find a box, and the janitor brought back a peach basket. He nailed it, and that the rest is history. So last night, you could have been watching the National Box the Boxball Association, but it's the Basketball Association, thanks to this janitor. But anyways, you also have to remember, first game ever in NBA history took place back in Toronto. The Toronto Huskies, they played the New York Knickerbockers back in 1946, making it the very first NBA game in history. And the first guy, if you're wondering, to make the first shot in NBA history, his name was O.C. Schechtman. But getting into last night's game, the Raptors took care of business. And you got all these people talking about injuries for Golden State. And Clay goes down with a gruesome injury. You hate to see that. But the Raptors did it. You can't take anything away from Toronto. And we're going to give you 10 takeaways from the finals. So we're going to start off with number one. Number one, it's obvious after last night. He has seized the throne. He is the best player in the NBA. I'm talking about Kawhi Leonard. I told you a couple weeks ago, KL stands for Kawhi's League, and it is just that. Kawhi Leonard, you are now the best player in the NBA, and there's no way to dispute it. Who is your who are you competing with? Of course, LeBron James. He's had that title for over a decade now. But LeBron, groin injury, aging, doesn't look like he's the same player, even though he is clearly on some nights looks like he can still be the best player in the league, but he's not that anymore. And then Giannis showed us in game in the previous series against the Raptors that he doesn't have the perimeter shooting to solidify himself for that spot. And then really it came down to two guys, in my opinion. It was Kevin Durant, who before the injury, I was ready to give it to Kevin Durant. He's averaging over 40 points before he goes down with that calf injury. And he really looked like he was peaking, that he was playing his best basketball, that he was just in such a zone. And really, it's unfortunate for Kevin Durant, Warriors fans, all basketball fans everywhere. We're not going to see the Durantula for another 15 months. And really, that's a tragedy, in my opinion, as far as NBA goes. But... 
Kawhi Leonard, you earned it. But let's look into it. So he scored 22 points last night. It was his lowest output of the finals. But you got to forgive Kawhi Leonard. He still played a great game. He was solid. And give him credit for deferring to guys like Van Vliet, guys like Pascal Siakam, guys like Kyle Lowry, who had a great, great night yesterday. So Kawhi Leonard, last night wasn't you know his signature game in the finals, but still it was a decent performance. But just, let's just take a look at why he has the, the why the torch has been passed from LeBron to Kawhi. Why is he the best player? Let's take a look at this historic run in these finals. So he becomes the first player in NBA history to win a game seven with a buzzer beater. First player ever. Never happened before this. When you accomplish something like that on a on a fadeaway into the first row of the baseline, it bounces around like seven thousand times. It leads to Joel Embiid sobbing into the arms of Marcus Saul. And really, that was historic. I know you're thinking of Jordan Elo. That was a game five, but first time ever with a game seven. So also, Leonard is the just the third player in league history to win the finals MVP with multiple teams, joining Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the Bucks, and LeBron James with the Heat and the Cavs. So Kareem did it with the Bucks and the Lakers. LeBron did it with the Heat and the Cavs. Kawhi gets it done, Spurs and Raptors. Also, check this out. He was just one of a handful of elite players who averaged an entire championship run averaging over 30.5 points or more per game. So that's only happened by four different players. Michael Jordan did it. Five different times. Shaquille O'Neal did it in 2000. Hakeem did it in 1995. Kawhi Leonard, he joins that exclusive class. Also, unlike some other prolific scorers, Leonard is just so efficient. It's the efficiency of Kawhi Leonard that really pushes him past the bar right there. He's 62%. That's his true shooting mark in these playoffs And really, that's incredible. When you think about the volume and the efficiency that he's doing with, that had only been done a few other times with Bernard King in 1984, Alex English in 1985, Jordan 89, O'Neal in 98, and then LeBron in 2009, 2017, and 2018. But he actually won the championship. So that takes him to another level. Also, he becomes the only player who has won... Uh, finals MVPs in their first season with the team. Kevin Durant did it. Kawhi Leonard does it this year. And really, just look at the teams that Kawhi beat. He didn't beat... It wasn't LeBron's route to the championship, right? He had legitimate contenders in his way. He he had to beat a Sixers team that had tons of talent. They had a big four, you want to say. You had Jimmy Butler. You had guys like Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. And he does it against a Sixers team that I felt had a decent shot to get to the finals, especially with their role players. And then he beats the MVP. He beats the MVP in Giannis Antetokounmpo. And those are no slouches. And he goes on to beat the Golden State Warriors, even after losing home court in Game 2. So he wins his second finals MVP. And his first with his team, with with a new team, And it's really one of the best 10 playoff runs in history. The Toronto Raptors are the unlikeliest champion in NBA history. I know that's a little, that might be a stretch to some of you guys, but check this out. So in the past 15 years, the only teams 
with the worst preseason title odds than the Raptors to also end up winning the title were the 2011 Mavericks and the 2015 Warriors. But both those teams had played together. Both those teams had veteran leadership. They had been in playoff series before. This team going into these playoffs had only played 14 total games together, and they get it done, and they win the Larry O'Brien Trophy, which I learned last night that players call it the Larry O'B. Apparently they call it the Larry O'B, so that's what I'm going to roll with from here on out. I'm calling it the Larry O'B, just like Kawhi Leonard and Lowry were doing right after the game. But the thing is, with this championship squad, if you look at, like, the NBA is is measured on dynasties. It's measured on groups of elite talent, top 10 to 15 players on the same team getting it done. Just look at it through history. You got the Showtime Lakers. You got Larry Bird and McHale and the, in, the, in the Boston Celtics. You got Jordan, Pippen in the Bulls, top 50 players. Kobe and Shaq winning for the Lakers. Hakeem the Dream, Clyde, you know, Hakeem in 94-95 might be the closest we've seen as far as an elite player not having that top 20 talent around him. But for the most part, you got the Heatles with Chris Bosh, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade. You got the Boston three-party, KG, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce. You got the the Cavs with Kyrie, LeBron. I mean, this is one elite talent, one elite offensive player, one elite defensive player in Kawhi Leonard that carried this team to the championship, and you just don't see that in the NBA. You don't see that, and also you combine the fact how this roster was constructed, it was really the genius of Masai Ujiri. If you've listened to me, you know that I've been singing the praises of Masai Ujiri who apparently the Washington Wizards are going to offer him $10 million per year and an ownership stake. So he has a decision to make. I hope he stays in Toronto. Also, did you see that security guard try to get into it with Masai Ujiri? I mean, this guy is the president and GM of a championship squad, and you're trying to mess with him getting out of the court, and now they're trying to press charges. Come on, man. That's a little salty. That's ridiculous. Masai Ujiri. But anyways, look at the way Masai Ujiri constructed this lineup. It makes it that much more of a mind-blowing result in the fact they were able to get this done. Heading into Game 6, only two of Toronto's top seven were drafted and developed. Pascal Siakam, he was picked in the 27th round, and he also spent time in the G League. So he was definitely not a touted draft pick, and they had to develop him to get to him, get him to where he is today. And then Fred Van Vliet, you know where he was drafted? He wasn't drafted. He was passed on by every NBA team in 2016 when he, when he came out of Wichita State. And like I said, Fred Van Vliet, he caught the heat. He did it again last night, and he was a big part. He was as important as anyone on that court last night for why the Raptors got it done in Game 6. Without Fred Van Vliet, I think we're looking at Game 7, and last night proves that. But really, the rest of the foundation for Toronto's first championship, it came with this series of unlikely deals. These deals that Masai Ujiri, he's he's playing grand master chess, where you have no idea what he's up to. And just take a look at this. Kyle Lowry, he comes from Houston all the way back in 2012 in exchange for a future first-rounder that became Steven Adams. At the time, everyone thought that was a bad deal by Toronto. 
Ujiri landed Serge Ibaka, who spent a half season in Orlando for for Terrence Ross and a 2017 first rounder. So you've given up Terrence Ross, who's still a decent player that a lot of teams were inquiring the uh, the magic about. A lot of teams wanted Terrence Ross, and they get him and a first rounder for Serge Ibaka, who at the time was having injury problems. He looked like he was a little washed, but he had his eyes on him for a long time, and he brings him in. And he had a huge impact as a rim protector, rebounder, clutch buckets, a leader for this Toronto Raptors team. And then, of course, Marcus Gasol. He came over from the Grizzlies with just two months left in the regular season. And, of course, Kawhi Leonard. The, the deal that everyone just laughed at, they said, okay, it's a one-year rental. You trade in DeMar DeRozan, the guy who, of course, the fan held up the sign. DeMar DeRozan died for this. You trade DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard. And Kawhi Leonard apparently asked Masai Ujiri, why did you trade for me? Why did you trade for me knowing that I'm likely going to walk, knowing that I want to decide where I'm going to play? And he simply said, because you're the best player in the NBA. And when you have a, an exec believe in you like that, that's when you drop 30 and a half points per game, nine rebounds, four assists, and two steals, and absolutely carrying this squad. So they're just so unlikely. And then if you look at this, this run they went on, the Raptors, check this out. They were down one, one uh they were down 1-0 to the Magic in the first round. They were down 2-1 to the Sixers. They were down 2-0 to the Bucks. And they won all series. They needed one of the most miraculous shots in NBA history to get them to the finals. I mean, to the Eastern Conference finals. They surrounded. They survived round two. They handed a home court advantage away to the Warriors in game two. And they took an L in one of the emotionally, most emotionally charged games that we've seen in NBA Finals history. So dramatic. Kevin Durant goes down with an Achilles injury. The whole city of Toronto... The word on the street, the buy-in ticket for Game 5, nosebleed seats were going for two grand, two Gs, and that's Canadian money. I don't even know how that even works, but two grand, and they lost that game only to go to Oracle and get it done in Game 6. So the Raptors, Masai Ujiri, they bet on themselves, and now they're NBA champions. The improbable has become the reality. And really, it doesn't matter. Whatever the future holds for Toronto, Kawhi could walk. It does not matter. You win a championship. Team, the, the Phoenix Suns have been in the league for 50 years, have never won a championship. You saw the St. Louis Blues. They had gone, they've been in the NHL for, since 1967. They had never won a championship. They got it done. Championships, they last for decades, man. And it's sweeter than maple syrup that they were able to do it last night, last game ever in Oakland. So a very, very improbable championship. I'm going to say that it was the, le- the most improbable championship that we've seen in NBA history. And on to number four, this asterisk talk is ridiculous. This asterisk talk, this idea that there should be an asterisk because Kevin Durant went out, because Clay Thompson had the hamstring and then, unfortunately, the ACL injury. The Iguodala, Kavon Looney, all these injuries. The fact that you put an asterisk on uh, their championship, I think, is just such a discredit to what they were able to accomplish. It reminds me of that scene from Jurassic Park. It reminds me of that scene where Jeff Goldblum... Here, I'll play the clip for you now.
That is one big pile of shit. Because that's exactly what that is, okay? And don't kid yourself. In June, no one's 100%. Kawhi Leonard, he was not 100%. And the last eight times they've played the Golden State Warriors, they've won six matchups. They've won three straight at Oracle. They wiped them off the floor. I don't care who they threw out there. Steve Kerr got out coached by Nick Nurse. And look, the injuries were a factor. There's no doubt about it. But they got it done. No one. That's going to be a small, small footnote in the grand scheme of things. That championship by the Raptors was 100% legitimate, and we're not going to take anything away from them, and that's just what it is. And number five, Kawhi Leonard. He needs to leave Toronto if he wants to win another championship and wants to win another finals MVP. Kawhi Leonard... He looks like he's turning into this NBA nomad that he brings his finals his finals credibility in his championship pedigree to wherever he goes. And unfortunately, the great story with Toronto, if he stays in Toronto, I don't think he'll ever win another championship. If he wants to win another ring, and who knows, maybe he's content. Maybe the bond that he's built with Canada, with Toronto, with Masai Ujiri is enough for him to ride off into the sunset more like right off into the cold, winter, snow, whatever it is in Toronto, and stay there instead of going to the Clippers, where he has been long rumored to covet being with the Clippers and being on the West Coast where his family lives, and Toronto's 2,500 miles away from that. So Kawhi Leonard, you need to leave Toronto if you want to, if you want to win another championship. But you know, until about two weeks ago, it was widely assumed that Leonard was going to you know, pack those parkas for the West Coast. But I think there's a chance he's going to stay. But you got to think, Kawhi, if you want to win, this is what you're up against. Kyle Lowry is 33. Marcus Gasol is 34. Danny Green is 31 and a free agent. Serge Ibaka is 29. Doesn't look like – I mean, he's 29. I want to see a birth certificate uh, by uh, Serge Ibaka. Some question his age. Today in the playoffs, Gasol – 9.4 points per game. He's 34, and he still affects the game, but he can still opt in to one year of his contract, and really that's not going to help their ability to sign anyone. He can still opt in. He's still a nice player. He can still stonewall guys like Joel Embiid and centers, but is he worth 25, $25.6 million, which is the number he can opt into? And then Siakam, 17 points a game on 59.1 field goal effective field goal percentage, seven rebounds and three assists, and he's probably going to earn that most improved player award, but is he a max guy? Is he a guy that you want to commit to as a strong number two? I'm not so sure. To me, he's almost a Lamar Odom type, a guy, Swiss Army type, that can do a lot of things and be a third or fourth player on a great team. I don't know if I see him as a second guy. And then you got guys, you don't have a lot of draft picks, you don't have a lot of cap space, but if you do, maybe, look, I said Masai Ujiri is a wizard. What he's able to do, shift things around. Maybe he can get something for Kyle Lowry. Maybe he can get younger. But I just think, Kawhi, you got a few years left in your prime. Maybe you stay in Toronto. Maybe it can work out. But in my opinion, I don't think that he'll ever win another championship with the Toronto Raptors. Next, number six, Steph Curry. Like we said going into the series, he had an opportunity to change his reputation. His reputation, he's the golden boy. He's Chef Curry. He's the best shooter of all time, right? 
In this series, he had a chance to enter the conversation for best player of all time. He could have carved out his face in that Mount Rushmore, or at least started to, right? But he missed his opportunity. And really, Steph Curry, he is not in the greatest player of all time conversation. He's the greatest shooter of all time. I'll give him that. I'll give him that just on pure volume. The numbers, 400 plus threes, the percentage, he has all those numbers. But if you look at the postseason, last time I checked, Ray Allen, who he surpassed as the best shooter of all time, still has you on making the greatest three-pointer of all time, which was that shot, the golden rope shot against the Spurs. So if you look at it, Steph Curry is 0 of 8 in his career on go-ahead field goals in the final 20 seconds, okay? Final 20 seconds, he's 0 of 8. Last night, he had his chance. Last night, you felt it. And apparently, Mark Spears reported that after the game, he pulled a LeBron James, and he punched the wall in frustration. But it just that was your moment. That was the signature Steph Curry moment where they could have sent that to Game 7, and Game 7s get weird. They could have won that Game 7, and I'm telling you, he could have vaulted himself way up into that conversation, and he missed an opportunity, and all of us basketball fans were still waiting on that Steph Curry shot. Kobe shot against Phoenix. Jordan has tons. LeBron has tons. Magic has the hook. Larry Bird. I mean, there's so many signature shots that have been made, and really... Uh, Steph Curry has yet to make that signature shot that we're going to remember. He's made tons of shots, and he's a better player than Kyrie Irving. But what do you think of Kyrie? What do you think of? Exactly. You just thought of that Game 7 shot. When you think of Steph Curry's signature shot, what do you think of? Exactly. Maybe you should think of that 40-footer regular season shot against the Thunder. But really, you need that signature shot. And really, Steve Kerr drew up a terrific play. He cleared that far side of the core out, pass over the top. He had a look at it, and really, it was just a failed missed opportunity by Steph Curry. And it's really a shame because with dropping that 47, you almost felt like this was his moment. This was his time. Things were set up for him to just... To, to just shut up the doubters for good. Because, look, there's doubters now. I don't care how many threes you've made. You can make 1,000 regular season threes. I want you to make one in the NBA Finals that, that changes the series, that flips the series, that swings the series in Golden State's favor. And I'm still waiting for it. Chef Curry, I believe in you. But, really, until you do it, you got to earn it. So, I will give him credit, though. It was very classy move. By Steph Curry, if you saw how he FaceTimed Drake right after the game, check this out. Congrats, bro. Thank you, brother. Thank this you, brother. It's a tough, tough one. Like, ah, I, I hate seeing it. <laughs> I know. I know. You think you're going out, though. That's all good, though. How you already got the head? Enjoy it, man. It's big time for you, the whole city, the whole everybody. Y'all deserve it, man. Congrats. No, it's love. I'm going to see you this summer, brother. Best. Listen, love. Check it. You, you saw the KD, right? Yeah. I'm going to keep on it. No worries. Yeah, yeah, you okay. right. Make sure he's right. Much love. Send my love. Send my love. Send my respect to the family. Tell Clay, even though he caught me a pussy the other day, it's all good. I'm going to But that's love. <laughs> Yo, enjoy yourself, man. Yeah. All summer. I'll catch you. Yes, Right, 
And also, yes, we talked about long. Uh, everyone's coming out today with their end of the Drake curse take. Man, we did that a couple weeks ago. The Drake curse is over. Like I said, anytime your team wins, that's a wrap. You get it done. It's like the Chicago Cubs bringing in Bartman on the Billy Goat to throw out the first pitch. Babe Ruth winning a championship, hitting a walk-off with the Red Sox, something like that. That curse is a wrap. The Drake curse, it's over. Look for a new curse. And Drake was just was was hilarious. After the game, if you saw, Drake basically is doing post, post-game press conferences like he played for the team. This is poetic. You just got to watch it happen. The six and six. talking about he wanted his chips with more dip I have no clue what he was talking about and you know he had those ghost writers ready writing a song for Drizzy Drake a little championship song and apparently Drake's gonna bring that private jet and they're gonna make a trip to Vegas and then to Miami so man that Drake hangover this morning must be all kinds of epic so and next we got Clay Thompson Clay Thompson is a boss Clay Thompson is a warrior to the hundredth power. I mean, this guy is a straight up G, and really, it was heartbreaking. Nothing short of heartbreaking, considering it took place seventy-two av- seventy-two hours after the Warriors got Kevin Durant back in Game Five. They lose him, and he was torching. He was Game Six Clay. Game Six Clay is a thing, and Clay Thompson was out there dealing. He had that fire in his eyes, and this guy was just going off. He had. 30 points. He had a game high, even though he went out when he did. 30 points. He went 8 from 12 from the floor, 4 of 6 from 3, all 10 free throws. And really, it just gave me goosebumps when he walked back onto the court. Check out check out Clay Thompson walking back onto the court. He was walking to the locker room, and then somebody yelled something. He turns around to shoot the free throws. Then you can take him out, obviously. And got the huge roar. From the Oracle crowd. Very similar to the Boston experience of Paul Pierce when he came back onto the floor. But the difference is this guy. A la, very reminiscent of Kobe Bryant doing it after the Achilles injury. He comes in there unconscious and he sinks two free throws despite being having a torn ACL. And really, you just hate to see that for Klay Thompson. He's been one of the most durable players in NBA in the NBA, in his time with the Golden State Warriors, to see him go out the way he did was really just very, very tragic. But apparently he told Steve Kerr that he only needed two minutes and he was going to get back in there. And apparently he told KD that he was going to play Game 7. So, Clay, you are a warrior. We salute you. Speedy recovery. Next, we got Steve Kerr all but admitted that this dynasty is over. Check out this post game. Steve Kerr sounds like 
he seems like it's over. He's not talking about the future. He's talking about the past. And it just felt like this Warriors dynasty, he was accepting the fact that it is over. And then, and number nine, probably the hottest take of this, the Golden State Warriors are not going to make the playoffs next year. They will not make, the, they're going to go from being a dynasty of a, a potential four or five to a franchise that will not compete in the NBA playoffs the following season. And I'll tell you why. Steph Curry, first of all, Steph Curry is a guy, he's the guy that you would expect to have injury problems. He's the guy who had chronic ankle injuries. And now teams are going to load up on Steph Curry. One of the reasons why he was able to stay healthy was you had Durant, you had Clay that could space things out and keep defenses honest. Now defenses, what they're going to do is, they're going to go study the tape of when Steph Curry was at Davidson. If you look at the tape, all teams would do is they would load up. You want to talk about a box one? They are going to send the house to Steph Curry. They're going to wear him down. I My over-under on games of Steph Curry next year, maybe 65, maybe 60 games. I'll give him 60 games because Steph Curry, he has shown that those ankles are still an issue and he can roll one of those ankles. They do not heal quickly. And I could see Steph Curry missing time. Klay Thompson, if everything goes to plan, he won't be back until March. And even then, that's gonna that's way, way deep into the season, a month away from the playoffs. Kevin Durant, this is just tragic. I talked about it last time. This is a guy who was headed for top five. We won't see him for 15 months. He's going to – now, you say he missed – Steve Kerr said he's going to miss an entire year, an entire year plus summer. Okay, so how is that body going to react after 15 months of not playing basketball? So there's that. They don't have anything coming through the pipeline as far as young talent. They got Kevon Looney still a project. Jordan Bell still a project. They let McCall walk. They don't have anything they, they can do, especially if they do the right thing, which is pay Kevin Durant and pay Klay Thompson. So the Warriors will not make the NBA playoffs next year. I hear a lot of people say they'll be fine. They'll make a six seed. Playoffs next year, Lakers. Lakers are going to be the favorites because they're going to get AD. They're going to get somebody. I think it's going to be AD. Very imminently, I see that happening. I see, of course, the OKC Thunder. I see the Trailblazers. I see the Jazz. I see the Nuggets, Rockets, Clippers. And I think that Phoenix or the or the Sacramento Kings – one of those teams is going to take a leap this year, and I think that happy. I think the Minnesota Timberwolves, a year without Jimmy Butler, I think that Cat and Wiggins can make a leap, and I just don't see a scenario where a top Mavericks are going to make the playoffs next year. I've already said like nine teams, eight, ten teams, they're going to contend for the title. The Golden State Warriors will not make the NBA playoffs next year. Maybe it's the best thing for them. It'll give them a whole entire year. Maybe like look what it did for LeBron this year. LeBron didn't make the playoffs, and we'll see if that pays dividends. And if he's fresh for the upcoming season, maybe they need that. They can start getting a nice draft pick. But the Warriors are not going to make the NBA playoffs next year. And my final takeaway today is the NBA's injury problem. It's the NBA's dirty little secret. They need to do something about it. The NBA has an injury problem, and something needs to be done. They cannot ignore this problem moving forward, or it's really going to start to hurt the league. Now, if you look at ratings, last night's game, ratings were up big time. You would think that, hey, no LeBron James, 
And you got Canada, you got Kawhi Leonard, a player that some people thought was, quote, boring. The NBA ratings were huge. They were up from 2017 and 2018 last night. It drew a 13.2 overnight rating, peaked at 17.5, and it was up big time. So really, the NBA is thriving, but the injuries are going to cost it moving forward because if you just look at the data, there's some serious issues. Last year, NBA injuries were up 42% from this time last year. Players missed over 4,000 games. They got to 3,000 missed games a month faster than the 2018 season, okay? So this is something that's trending in the wrong direction, and some teams think that the injuries could go up by 50% in the near future. So one of the issues is players are playing faster and the pace of play is just so out of hand, and it's just a different league. If you look at it, players are huge. Players are so much bigger than they were in previous generations. Back in the 70s, the average NBA player was 6'3", 175. Going into this season, the average NBA player was 6'7", 220. Okay? So players are getting bigger and as Baxter Holmes and Tom, Tom Haberstraw reported on injuries, injuries to rotation players this year, 1996, you missed uh, 34 players, right? 2016, 61 players. This year, that's up again to over 60, okay? It's trending in the wrong direction. Players are out in the crucial games. Look at last year. If it wasn't for Chris Paul's hamstring injury, the Rockets could have an NBA championship under their belt. It's changed the course of history more than any sport. Injuries has hurt its sport and has changed the outcome in its sport more than baseball, football, soccer, whatever you want to say, hockey. The NBA relies on its superstars because you're only talking about five players on the court at a time and really two or three players getting that usage. So when you're losing key guys, it just changes everything. You're talking major, major changes and really, it's a different game. The NBA needs to decide what it wants. Is it okay with the fact that players are can be rested with the load management? I mean, you saw Kawhi Leonard. He They won the championship because they had sat him out 22 games. He still was walking around, like you said, like the walking dead, limping around after the game because they had no more games to play, and he had missed 22 games, okay? But really, it comes down to the style of play. Back in the day, I mean, you had Vladi Divac. You had guys smoking packs of Marlboro Reds at halftime. Guys jogging around. Now every possession is, is lights out. It's, they're playing games at a more intense level. And just look at the numbers. Last season, teams averaged 106.3 points per game. That number is up to 1.3, was up to 113.4 this season which would be the the biggest single season increase since the 1954 to 1955 season when teams went from scoring 79.5 points per game to 93.1 points per game. Last season, there were five teams that finished with a pace over 100. Pelicans, Suns, Lakers, Sixers, and Warriors. This season, in comparison, there's only four teams under 100. Grizzlies, Nets, Pacers, and Spurs. None are below 97. Pace of play is ridiculous. You guys remember the Phoenix Suns, right? You guys remember the seven seconds or less. That was the team that was the blur. That was the team with Mike D'Antoni that changed the landscape of the NBA. Well, 
in that season, they paid at they played at a, at a pace of ninety six point seven. You know what pl- place that would place them in this year? That would put them in last place. They would be the slowest team in the NBA at ninety six point seven. And really, it just needs to change. I mean, last season, the team scored over 140 points in 13 times. That already happened five times in the first week of the NBA. So for you guys, it's almost like the baseball. Baseball thinks more home runs. They like the long ball. NFL, they're trying to protect the quarterback, get more points. The formula appears to be the higher the scoring, the faster the pace, the more exciting it is. But really, they're compromising their players. And really what needs to happen, they need to find a way to keep these players healthy. Because, look, it doesn't make any sense, right? You would think the advancements in medicine, you would think that training, science, all that has just gone light years, right? We're so advanced, yet players are missing more time. And the reason is the medical, the medicine has advanced to a point, but so is the game itself. And really, they need to make less games, bring it down to 76 at worst, Extend that preseason. You can't shorten the preseason because you got to give times to give players time to get their legs under them. And really, you definitely have to. First of all, the first round is a formality. The first round of the NBA is a joke. The NBA playoffs is two months long. That's ridiculous. It's too long. They need to go down to five games. First of all, it would just make it more exciting. When's the last time we had a, a first round upset that really blew your mind? You know, the Mavericks, Warriors. That happened with Dirk and Baron Davis at one point. You had the the all-time best one where Dikembe Mutombo is clenching, uh, clinching that basketball against the, Seahaw- uh, against the Supersonics. But really, other than that, you don't have very many first-round upsets, and that would also just help you give a March Madness feel because that formality of the first round is just boring in and of itself, and you just don't need this many games to decide who's going to be the playoff who's going to be the champion of this league. And these owners really need to take a serious look at this because the NBA has been plagued by injuries. And now more than ever with Kevin Durant, with Klay Thompson, we are losing. The NBA has lost two of its top 10 players in the course of 72 hours for a year. Okay? Show me a sport that that's happened in regularity. It doesn't happen. The pace of play is ridiculous. The amount of games, players are bigger. They need to find a way to get it done, to find a way to get these players healthy and keep them on the court. But that's going to do it for episode 12 of the Get More Sports Podcast. Thanks for rocking with us once again. We're going to dive deep into all the NBA offseason, get more into the NFL, baseball. But that's a wrap for the 2019 NBA playoffs, the NBA is a wrap. Congratulations to the Toronto Raptors. You can find us wherever podcasts are found. You can find me on Twitter at DMAC underscore LA. Hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend. Happy Friday. Thanks again, and I'm out.